Coming live on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. A new day brings new topics. Our sports talk brings extensive debate and analysis by the host, expert contributors, and callers. We discuss it all. Join us weekdays at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. We're excited about our second hour here with the professional experts. Let me welcome in my co-host, Duck Riley. I am Princess Cooper. Duck, how are you, sir? Doing well, Princess. I appreciate you having Reverend Dr. Alexander on. He was good. We got to get him back on. It wasn't enough time. We only had about 20, 21 minutes with him. He had a good story, and just to hear um, some of the history of Charlotte was really neat. So I appreciate you doing that and having him on. Shout out to Dr. Alexander. Come back anytime. Let me get in co-host Tim Moore. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Princess. How are you? Doing really good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's get everybody in here. Steve Thornton, welcome to the show. Good evening. Good evening to everyone. Yeah. How's everyone doing? Doing good. Good, good. Doing good. Good. All right. Will Lewis, welcome to the show. Greetings, everybody. Hope you all had a super weekend. Super weekend. (laughs) Super weekend. Really good. All right. Coach Jay Hayes, welcome to the show. Hey, Princess, how are you? Doing good, sir. (laughs) Good. Happy to have you on. All right. Coach Donald Jones, welcome to the show. Yeah, good evening, everybody. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Ricky Porter, welcome to the show, sir. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Hey, Ricky. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, hey, I'm doing great. Forget you, Duck. Uh, (laughs) All right, Duck, we're ready to get started. This is the crew tonight. Hey, look, all I know, Princess, you you saw everybody, the board lit up. They said, oh, that's Ricky. So he goes like, okay, but anyway. Yep. uh, Yep. Tell a princess, we planned it that way. Don't worry about it, Duck. That's right. You pitch in, though. You know, you're good. All right. I was talking with my man, Jay Hayes. Jay Hayes, open mic. What you got for us? Well, um, you know, uh, I guess everyone's sad that uh, football season's over, but I can tell you that um, spring football is right around the corner as I'm getting ready (laughs) to uh, head to Arlington and start camp and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we'll we'll we may not be uh, the caliber of the NFL, but uh, we'll get your football fix in for you. All right, appreciate that, Steve Thornton. Open mic. Hey, thanks. Um, I'm, I'm I'm sitting here thinking of things to to address on the open mic, but. One, what happened to Aaron Rodgers? I mean, what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? If anybody knows, it'd be nice to have an update just to see how the NFL is going to look this fall. You know, we we anticipated so much at the beginning of the season, and, you know, unfortunately he suffered that injury and things didn't work out. But just wonder how things are going to be with Aaron Rodgers. Um, uh, secondly, you know, I haven't heard too many commentators talk much about Brock Purdy, but uh, you know, he did well. He played a good game Sunday, and uh, 
But it's interesting how a couple of minutes or a few points can can totally change the narrative, I guess, about what we talk about. So thought that was kind of interesting. And the last point, uh, all these revolve around quarterbacks, I guess, but uh, Trey Lance, <clears throat> when it was going to happen in Dallas, it's obviously been a whole lot of the same thing in many respects, but uh, I think there will be some shakeups coming in Dallas. At least I hope there will be. But in, in any, any event, it's fun to talk about. We'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. Open mic, Donald Jones, what you have for us? Hey, well, it's been. I think the, you know, the super, the Super Bowl is still in my mind. It's just such a great game, and I'm just so. That's what I was hoping for to see the game to go like that, not only go to, you know, to go into overtime at that, and and uh, it was just an exciting game to watch. See two well played teams go at it, man. You know, it's a shame that that one team had to lose, but but uh, I was just excited that it was just a great game and. Seeing those guys try to make history and watching Pat Mahomes make history. I think he's watching, you know, the GOAT, in my opinion. You know, yeah, he has to he has to win a few more. But as far as playing right now, you know, watching the guy play at at, at that level, I don't think nobody's ever done it at that level. You just got to, you know, but, you know, it's just a great thing to watch. You know, I hope we realize we'll we be watching history happen. In my opinion. Okay. Uh Ricky Porter. Open mic. What you got for us? You know, Doug, um mine's gonna be real quick, but I'm and I'm sure we may talk about it somewhere along here, but um I I was thinking about the, the coaching changes this year. And um, you know, not only the the head coaches but we finally saw some some um black coaches uh, also become, you know, offensive, co- offensive and defensive coordinators get hired. And we usually a lot of times we don't we don't pay attention to that, but I think that's one of the most important things because it's the knock years ago when we were playing, well, you know, you very seldom take a coach from a position to a head coach. So they we weren't getting the, um, the coordinator's jobs to be able to make that next step, you know, to move them up. Um, it's funny <laughs> Uh, one of those coaches happened to um, that they did it for Andy Reid. If I'm not mistaken, Andy Reid had never been a coordinator, and he went from a position coach to a head coach. Y'all can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I know it has happened over there. Just you know, for us, it never happened that you jump from a position coach to a head coach. But um, I was glad to see that, and uh, I think it's a total of. Um, from not is it seven head coaches now, black head coaches in the National Football League? Uh, still not enough, but I, I'm glad to see that. So uh, that's you know that's kind of my thoughts tonight on that, and just uh, happy to see that uh, some movement there is some movement and things hopefully are changing a little bit. Okay, uh, Princess, open mic, Princess. Uh, a couple of things. Um, a suite at the Super Bowl um, was 1.8 million a piece. So, um, you know, if 20 of us could have gone in for 90000 apiece, we could have gotten a suite um, at the Super Bowl. Um, I was surprised to see Tip Kelly leave UCLA and is now at Ohio State as the OC. Um, I want to make a comment about Jermaine Dupree's socks. 
I used to wear those on Easter. I wonder where he's getting them from. Um, and and um, I loved Alicia Keys, but um, Usher took his shirt off. Okay. All right. Tim, let's have him get by. Tim, open mic, man. Yeah, well, I was, uh, you know, um, real happy with the Super Bowl. I thought it was a good ball game. I, I was reading people's comments on Facebook early on. They were commenting that it was a boring game early in the first half. And to me, uh, I, you know, I, I assume that they, they're tuning into the Super Bowl as a spectacle and not so much as a sports yeah. or football yeah. fan. Because to me, these were two top-notch football teams who were playing uh, very competitive football and the mistakes that were being made were forced errors uh, for the most part. The fumbles that, that took place in the first quarter, both were knocked out. They weren't just people, you know, uh, mishandling a snap or something like that. They were both out. And I thought it was um, hard-nosed defensive football, which most people don't like. Um, but I enjoyed it. And I think in the end it turned out to be an exciting game as well. Um, the halftime show uh, – I thought it was, uh, you know, just like that, uh, a, a pretty good halftime show. It wasn't exactly Prince. It wasn't exactly Janet Jackson. But uh, I thought it was a pretty good halftime show. And uh, it wasn't all that as thrilled as Prince's was with uh, um, my man Usher taking his shirt off, but I thought the show was good. <laughs> uh, I, uh, Will, uh, before you do your open mic, I, don't you think it was nice of uh, – Usher to invite uh, the Super Bowl to his concert. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's the longest like and, uh, show ever. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> like Usher and Taylor Swift got together to uh, perform, and you know, at the halftime of their performance, there was a game. So uh, can't, can't can't blame them for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of have a couple quick uh, follow-ups. Uh, number one, um, Andy Reid. Uh, was definitely an uh, O-line coach at Green Bay before he became the head coach in Philly. So he went from straight position coach to head coach. And then uh, for spring football, uh, which Coach Hayes was talking about, I think it, spring football this year is going to be a little bit better than it's been in the past, partly because they've combined the two spring leagues into one stronger league. So I think it's going to make for a little bit more, um, you know, upscale football. Um, but my um, my personal uh, open mic comment here. It kind of had to do with a comment that uh, Megan Kelly made, or was her complaint about why why are we playing the uh, "Lift Every Voice" uh, as part of the national anthem uh, on Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, you know, and it just kind of baffles you at this point that somebody could still actually ask that question and 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 actually feel like they don't know what the answer is. I, I remember playing in Canada. And it never seemed, seemed to be an issue. But in Canada, when we played, they played the Canadian National Anthem, but then they also played the Star Spangled uh-huh. Banner, and nobody ever complained about that. So I'm not really sure what her uh, – well, I mean, I know what her complaint is, but I'm not sure why she feels like she's got grounds to complain. But... Okay. Could I piggyback on that? Because uh, I think Will makes a very good point, and it's interesting. I find it fascinating to me that some of the same people who complain about the, the uh, National Negro Anthem being played uh, at a ball game uh, will fly around with a Confederate flag 
in the south of the United States in the back of their truck right. proudly and defending it. Um, nobody related to the uh, Negro National Anthem uh, has gone to war against the United States of America. But these same people mm-hmm. will fly that flag and then complain about that anthem. I don't get it. Good point. Good point. Good point. Anybody else want to jump in on that? Okay. No, I thought we did well. Yeah, all right. Coming back uh, to you, Will, I want to talk about uh, your Super Bowl thoughts. And the other question with that is, Travis, you know, Kelsey and Andy Reid, I know Andy was stumbling, had taken some medicine, and Travis was trying to – Catch him, but go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. It's amazing that the Kansas City Chiefs um, kind of got as far as they got because really you look at them, and, and though it is a good team, it's a dysfunctional family. And the reason I say that is just to watch them kind of fall apart the way they did in the first half with uh, all the tantrums taking place and taking place and all the arguments and. Uh, you know, some of the stuff that you haven't seen that took place, uh, it, it, it just kind of shocks you that they were able to pull it together um, at the right time to, to win it. But that's kind of how their, their season has gone. They've had some moments like that where they look like a totally dysfunctional family. Um, they lost some games, but they also uh, had these issues at the right time to get on a little bit of a run to actually get them in the championship game and, and, and win. So um, you kind of think of this team – you know, if you're going to think of them in terms of a uh, of a dynasty, you almost think that this is a team that has poise and composure and they play like champions. But a lot of times you look at them and they kind of play like spoiled brats, but they, uh, you know, they have the right people making the right plays at the right time. Um, for me, this game was was just that, you know, I mean, two different, two different games. Uh, in the beginning, San Francisco – was kind of sticking to them. San Francisco was doing what they were supposed to do, which was play good defense and run the ball. Uh, and then in the third quarter, San Francisco got away from running the ball. And, uh, you know, because that's what kept Mahomes off the field, was that they ran the ball, they controlled the clock, and they came away with points. Uh, they needed to come away with more touchdowns than, than field goals, though. Um, you know, but so they got away from it for whatever reason, and that's going to be on Shanahan a little bit, is they got away from the game plan in the third quarter in Kansas City – pretty much took over uh, momentum, started doing what they do best, which is throw the quick game, um, hit their weapons, and end up uh, scoring touchdowns and, and gain momentum and, and move it on. But um, I think this was more about San Francisco and their lack of, uh, of staying with their game plan uh, than it was about Kansas City and being able to execute their game plan. Okay. Coming to you, Jay, uh, I – Again, before you talk about your Super Bowl thoughts, Travis Kelsey runs up to uh, Andy Reid and <laughs> reminded him that Taylor came from Tokyo and he hadn't caught any passes the first <laughs> half. So, your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> um, that was, uh, I, I you know, and I've seen those types of things happen. Um, when I was with the Bengals and, uh, you know, with Chad and P.O. And <clears throat> we had, um, you know, those kind of tantrums um, happen. Uh, <clears throat> I thought 
um, you know, the explanation that they gave that, you know, he he basically was just telling Andy, hey, just give me the ball, put me in the game, whatever he was saying. Um, it was pretty much uncalled for. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a good look for, for him. Uh, you know, Andy, who I've known for years, and it, it, it really, when I see him walking around now, age has caught up to him very much. You know, uh, I used to work football camps with Andy back when we were young coaches. We were both assistant coaches um, at the collegiate level, and, and uh, we'd play noon basketball between between uh, sessions and stuff. And, uh, man, he, you know, his diet, you know, he always talked about eating hamburgers and all that stuff. It, it, it's really uh, caught up to him. I mean, um, you know, it's not like he played professional football and his body's all beat up. He's, his body's just beat up from being an old fat guy, you know. So, uh, but I, as I look at it, and I've looked at it a couple times, I I don't know that Travis necessarily hit him as much as he just was trying to get his attention and grab him, you know. And he's Andy's just so damn feeble he can't he can hardly stand up, you know. So, um, and as we all of us, right, we, as we get older, um, you, you know, you just you start losing your balance and that type of thing. And and uh, that was one of those deals. Andy Andy just looked really old. And honestly, I would not be surprised if health-wise, if something came up and he did not coach next year. just That's just my opinion. But anyway, the game, I, I, loved, I loved the game. You know, I know there were some uh, things that happened early on, you know, mistakes and things like that. But I just thought the back and forth of the game, uh, each side trying to figure out what was going to work and what didn't, um, and, you know, uh, Andy and his staff did a great job of finally figuring out what what would work. And for whatever reason, Shanahan falls asleep in games, it seems. You know, he starts off pretty good. And then, um, as he did when he was at Atlanta, you know, had the 28-3 lead, um, he had a 10-point lead in this game, and they just didn't continue on with what they were doing. Um, kind of stopped running McCaffrey in the third and fourth quarter, uh, where they were getting some some decent runs, and and then eventually he he didn't end up with a very good average for the day. But you know, early on they were gashing. Um, the Chiefs, uh, you know, and and, um, they just, they just kind of petered out, you know? So I don't know. I, I, I just thought the Chiefs really figured out what they needed to do and uh, they weren't going to lose. 
you know, come hell or high water, uh, they they figured they figured out a way to win, and uh, San San Francisco figured out a way to lose it. Okay, I want to come to Ricky. Uh, Ricky, do you feel that Spagnola just kind of wanted to stay close and make adjustments at halftime for Kansas City? Oh. No, I can't. I can't really answer that one. I, I I don't know if that that was his game plan or that was his thoughts. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I thought the Super Bowl was you know well played uh, as far as not being a blowout. I mean, I think every Super Bowl, the first thing I said, you know, the, all the hype and everything that goes on, I just hope it's not a blowout. You know, um, because you know by the end of the second quarter, start of the third quarter, you know you changing the channels or you're doing clean up around the house doing something different. So uh, I'm kind of glad that it was a game like it was played. It, it kept us all interested. It kept us all sitting on the edge of our seats. Um, I, I, I mean, if I ever became a gambler, the team that I feel is going to win, I'm always going to bet the opposite because I, I never can pick the winner when it comes to something like this because I, I really thought Frisco uh, would win this game, even though, you know, I'm a believer in Mahomes. I just thought that they were they were going to get this game, and I think they had opportunity to do that. Um, I didn't expect a high scoring game. I expect you know because of the defenses, I thought they were going to play pretty much like I did. I honestly I thought Frisco would pull this one out. Um, nothing I'm excited about is that the, the well it, it, the camera went up there a few times, but it. It didn't stay on uh, Taylor Swift, and I'm glad about that because I thought it, this was going to be her <laughs> Super Bowl and the camera was going to be up in that box or wherever she was the whole game. But So <laughs> I, I was kind of glad about that. Uh, but like I said, close game. I think it was great for television. Um, it's just amazing now back when we played and, you know, I had the opportunity to, to be in two Super Bowls, and I just look at, um, the cost of things now, just the television stuff and just the, the cost of tickets. Just, I mean, it's, I mean, only the rich going to be able to go. I mean, the filthy rich. It's just getting outrageous. Now, I don't know if it's compared to the economy the way it is now, and it's, it's no big deal to people, but uh, unless I'm fortunate enough to uh, coach in one or whatever, I will be sitting in front of my big screen television and watch it because I won't be at another Super Bowl. I just with the money that everything is costing now. so But I know I got a little bit off track. But uh, all in all, I thought it was a good game. And um, kudos to um, Kansas City. Okay, uh, Princess, uh, I'm sure you've seen the memes where uh, capping it until you do right by me. <laughs> you know, I, I really thought that, um, San Francisco had enough talent to, to win this game. I like what Will Lewis said is that, you know, Kansas City for most of the season was dysfunctional. Um, and I didn't know if they were going to make the playoffs. They, they had such a stretch there where I think they lost four out of five games or three out of five. Um, I can't remember that part. But once they got into the playoffs, you know, um, it was just hard to not bet on Patrick Mahomes and um, to um, – to, to emphasize that in the in the touchdown drive to win the game, he was eight for eight. 
He was eight for eight. And I think he stole two or three, you know, first downs with his legs. And um, it was just hard to, to, to not bet on him. And I didn't find the game boring at all. Um, I like what Tim said about that. It was, you know, two heavyweights um, matched up together and, it, you know, and plays were happening because it was some good play. I thought that San Francisco dominated the first half, but I did say that um, 10-3, there, there wasn't enough points scored by San Francisco. This is going to be a tight game, and there's going to be, a, you know, uh, the possibilities, of course, for Kansas City to win it, and they did just that. I do want to say to everybody, I understood the, the – the overtime rules up to a point, but I was concerned. Okay, why is nobody rushing? It's six seconds to go in the overtime. I didn't know that. Now it rolled over into like it was just the first quarter of overtime, and that's why no one was rushing. If time had run out, they would have just placed the ball at first and five, you know, first and five, or on the um, on the opposite end, or you know, or wherever they were going to be. But after they got the the first down, of course, then they did the the play called um, corn dog. So, but I was confused about that overtime at that point and why people were not rushing. Wasn't it six seconds left and nobody was rushing? I didn't know it was just going to spill over into another overtime. Um, so each first, each team had to, I guess, possess the ball, and that possession would continue until they scored or lost out in downs or whatever. Okay, uh, Jim. Super Bowl thoughts. Yeah, I, I thought uh, you know the same thing that many of the others thought. I, they they pointed out something that I, that I also thought. I thought San Francisco was. Tim, you're you're way coach. in the tunnel somewhere. Can you hear me better now? Better now. Are you on a Are you on a speaker? I was. Can you hear me yeah. any better now? You know, it sounds I, like you're definitely in a tunnel with wind. I think uh, one of the interesting things about it was uh, that I thought San Francisco was, was outcoached. Um, you know, they, uh, uh, you know, and it really showed up in the second half where they never adjusted to what Kansas City did defensively. They started bringing pressure, and it really frustrated the San Francisco offense. They never really uh, adjusted to it until that last drive. And then um, their defense never was able to stop Kansas City the last uh, few minutes of the ball game, and it, it was interesting to me that Kansas City ran the exact same play they ran last year at the end of the game against Philadelphia to win the uh, to win the ball game. And I had to think to myself, uh, don't they watch film in San Francisco to know that <laughs> you know on the goal line this might be the play that they go to? And it was wide open again. Just fascinating to me. I know they got really thoroughly outcoached. Yeah, Doug, okay. I like no. to say this. I just want to say this. Nobody's mentioned Greenlaw tearing his um, Achilles just running back on the field for the next defensive um, series. I, I thought that was uh, was key, and that happened with about eight minutes to go in the second quarter, if I'm not mistaken. I thought that was key. That was Princess, um, but you know I, I I can't not mention the fact that there were two uh, Kansas City defensive linemen. There's two starters, the first and second team defensive uh, tackles that were out as well. Didn't play at all during the ball game. Wow, wow, okay. Uh, when we come to uh, Donald Jones, the Super Bowl thoughts, Donald. 
Um, well, well, Princess, I was going. I meant. I wanted to say this to you. Don't feel bad for not knowing the overtime rules because it's clearly um, Frisco <laughs> and even some of the Kansas City players didn't know it either. So, so don't don't feel bad. Don't don't hold yourself accountable for that because they didn't even know, which was shocking to me. You know that they didn't. The coach um, Shanahan didn't even understand all the rules, which I thought wow. was. Shocking, you know, when he and they admitted it. I mean, they at least could have played it off, but you know, the player they, they were like admitting it. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's something you got to know, man. You, this is the this is the game of your life, and you don't know the rules in overtime, and, and which affected their their play calling. And, and, and I mean, this it baffles me, man, that they didn't they didn't understand the rules. I mean, I didn't know all of them either, but I, I guarantee you, I was. If I was playing in that game, I would have knew. I would have knew the rules. If I was the coach, especially if I was the head coach. But anyway, you know, it was a great game. I thought, you know, you know, I just thought, you know, Shanahan, you know, was calling a great game. But he like, like I believe Coach was saying, he, you know, he does. He relaxes or just doesn't stay. Doesn't make the right adjustments toward. End of the game. I, I, something about these offense coordinators, you know, they were very creative, but but they just don't get these cats. You know, they, they just don't get. You know, the, uh, the you know, there's there's a time when you got to be physical and you got to will your way. And they always want to do all this creative stuff. These, you know, you want to you know pass the ball when you, when you got the best running back in the game, the best O line in the game. Time to go win it, man. What happened to the days when? When your coach is like, "Hey, look, this fourth quarter, man, we're gonna we're gonna pound the ball. We're gonna, win, you know, we're gonna run it down their throats, man." And that isn't, you know, all these cats. It's like the cats from um, the head coach from Texas. I felt when I, when Washington was playing, all he had to do was run the ball. But they didn't. Nah, they want to do all these fancy plays, throw the ball, or whatever. There's a time and place for everything, and there was a time and place in that game in that fourth quarter where they should have ran the ball down their throats, and they didn't do it. And they were running the ball successfully most of the game, but but you know that's what it comes down to, you know who makes the you know who makes the plays and when it counts, and that's what and that's why I think um, you know Kansas City won the game because of number fifteen. I mean he's I mean he he made the plays when it counted. I mean you know I mean he he makes the right decision, the right the right passes. I mean he's just better than everybody, and I think that's the main reason why they won. Because they had number fifteen behind center. Okay, Steve Thornton. Hey. Super Bowl <laughs> yeah, been listening to everyone, and gosh, really good points. But my thoughts on the Super Bowl: number one, I'm I was rooting for Kansas City. Really glad that they won. Secondly, I was rooting against San Francisco. I'm really happy they lost, simply because of <laughs> what someone had mentioned about the meme. You know, I still can't forget how they mistreated Colin Kaepernick, the 49ers and the whole league. So I won't root for them. It'll be be a while yet. The third thing I wanted to mention, and I've heard a lot of people mention Shanahan, sometimes when you are extremely creative in football, you 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 have a tendency to get a little cute. And I thought they kind of outcuted themselves. And and let us not forget that the touchdown they scored in the first half was on the trick play that probably 
should have been intercepted. The ball was in the air for, for it seemed like about two or three minutes. But, you know, they were fortunate to complete it and fortunate that the guy receiving the ball on the other end was McCaffrey, and he was able to take it in for a touchdown. But, uh, you know, an, an interesting choice there too. Uh, and as everyone has mentioned, running the ball, I mean, uh, McCaffrey ran the ball 22 times. And I think he had 80 yards. And what I really liked was Kansas City ran, well, not the whole team, but Pacheco had 18 carries for 59 yards. But what I love is that they never stopped running. Even though you're picking up three yards a pop on the rush, you keep rushing because in the back of San Francisco's mind, they were like, well, Pacheco might get the ball, so at least we have to guard against that, even though uh, Mahomes sliced them up in the second half a lot. The rush was always there. It was always at least on the mind. And the, the, uh, I, I think it was Will, the last person that was talking was uh, the, the real problem was they left too much time on the clock or they gave Kansas City the ball with an opportunity to win. That was the biggest issue right there. And, and, and that really was the, was the difference in the game with Mahomes. You know, uh, sometimes we give quarterbacks too much credit, but uh, he earned all the credit on Sunday. When they needed him to make plays, he makes plays. And, and that was the difference in the ball game. Yeah. And halftime production okay. is way too long. Were you going to say that I'm precious? No, no. Okay. I want to stay with you, Steve. Talking college players in the draft and how they fit with the NFL team. So let's look at the draft and the teams of need, and let's put players with those teams. Well, you know, I'll make a very general comment, and that's, um, it's all about the fit. What, what teams do now is everybody's looking for the next Patrick Mahomes instead of build. This is my opinion. Instead of building, building teams and building organizations, but it's all about getting the right guy with the right team. I mean, this, thing, this season we haven't spoken much of the last year's number one pick, Bryce Young, because he went to a bad team. Pure and simple. Will he be better next year? I'd bank on it. I'd bank on it. And I, I know right now there's a lot of swirl around the number one pick and what the Bears need to do. The Bears, the Bears need to take that pick and then somehow just turn it into uh, to Maserati Mars. That's really to me what they need to do. Um, I, 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 I'd trade Caleb Williams to whoever wanted that pick as long as I got a boatload of of uh, opportunity and picks in return. But, again, you know, it's, it's all about the right fit. Uh, and, and, and it's hard because a lot of teams don't know who they are. And then you'll go out and you'll draft a guy thinking, that's the piece we need. And, and, I, and I thought of this analogy, and I'll let it go. It's kind of like you go to the shoe store and you, you wear size 12. You see the baddest pair of shoes you've ever seen in the shoe store. But it's a size 10. What are you going to do with it? Right? 
You can't use it because it's a 10 and you wear a 12. You're looking for a 12. But it's almost like you don't even know you were a 12. They don't know who they are. But it's all about fit. And a lot of teams don't have any idea of what they need to do or who they need to draft. That's just a personal opinion. All right. Will Lewis. Yeah, I think all that's exactly accurate. I mean, and that's what um, – you know, that's, that's what scouting staffs have been going through. Those have been the scenarios they've been going over since, you know, since they started putting them, putting their draft boards together. Um, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of talented players over there, and there's going to be two or three guys that would fit, kind of fit what you do, but you've got to figure out who's going to be the best fit at that time and then also who's going to be available. Um, and, and then you can look at the, uh, the draft order, um, and right now, you know, everybody kind of sees, uh, Caleb Williams as the first pick, but is that what Chicago needs? You know what I mean? Are you Chicago? Do you take this guy and then you move on from uh, from Justin and you know from Justin Fields and then you kind of start all over with a rookie quarterback, or is Justin Fields right where you wanted him after two years in the league? Maybe he's playing like what you want. You can trade back on that pick, pick up a few other picks that you need because. You need more than just one pick. You need more than Caleb Williams to turn things around in Chicago. So I think it, you've, you've got to kick that one around pretty good. I mean, do I want to take this hot shot quarterback and see what he's going to be? And maybe he's not going to be all that for another two years. Maybe he's kind of got to go through the process, um, whereas you would like to win right now, and maybe you can do that with by adding, you know, three or four or five other players because that's going to be a, a, a hefty pay tag. Um, a hefty uh, tag to to uh, come up and, and, and uh, take that number one pick. Um, and then you look on the board and you see a number of quarterbacks, and there's just about everybody that's lining up um, is going to need a quarterback. So I'm thinking a few of those quarterbacks are going to go pretty quickly. The question is, uh, do you go with the guy who you think is the best quarterback right now coming out, or do you go with the guy who is ready, as close to being ready to play right now as anybody, you know what I mean? Because talent-wise, you could look at the Redskins situation, see uh, Jaden Daniels, and say, hey, this is probably the most athletic guy out there. You know, I don't know if he's step right in and, and go. Um, and then you can look at Drake May or even, um, uh, what's the name, uh, Bo Nix, who both of them have played in college now for the past 10 years, are both you know, <laughs> ready to play in the NFL. You know what I mean? They, they've got a lot more experience. So these guys, they give you more of what you're looking for earlier, but in the long run, Jaden Daniels is probably a, a better quarterback. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you'll get guys like that, Drake May, um, yeah, and, and Bo Nix, and uh, teams that got to look at those quarterbacks early on are going to be people like Washington, um, like New England Patriots. You know, they all they definitely need quarterbacks. And then I think when you get down to number four, um, that's where you look at the Cardinals and be like, well, we kind of have a quarterback. Do we want to keep the quarterback, or do we go with the best athlete available, which would probably be Marvin Harrison? So, yeah, there's a lot of scenarios to go through. Okay. Jay Hayes. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how Chicago plays this um, coming out. You know, if they try to stock up and trade trade their pick, uh, it, and 
I I agree with um, what's been said that you know getting more picks and stockpiling players may be what Chicago needs um, more necessarily than uh, getting rid of the quarterback they they have than taking uh, Caleb Williams, but. Uh, you know, it's it's all a turkey shooting, and uh, the draft, just like recruiting, is not an exact science. And um, you know, um, there it's hard to say what what will be a for sure thing in the draft because no one can predict. You know, injury and or just how people uh, will come out of. Um, the draft. So I um, think it's it's uh, a very uh, unsure thing. Um, and, you know, Will has, has been involved uh, in many drafts as, as a personnel person. Um, and, uh, you know, he knows more than anybody that uh, – you know, it's 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 the luck of the draw with where people will end up. Even though there there are some great players um, that are available, uh, you just never know how they'll end up. I mean, there's a reason. Uh, you know, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick and ended up as good as he he was. And you know, Brock Purdy was the last pick of the draft two years ago, and he's played as well as he has. And then uh, there's been other guys that have been the first pick, and, um, Eli Manning and, and uh, Peyton Manning, you know, that had great careers, and, and then there, there have been guys that have been journeymen that have been the first pick, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield, and even though he has come around lately, uh, you know, you wouldn't, how he has performed throughout uh, the last four years, you wouldn't say, Wow, that that was a great first pick. So um, it, it's just the unknown of of the draft is hard. You know, it's it's just uh, it, it's, you're betting just like people betting on the game. You know, Ricky's talking about picking picking the picks of the Super Bowl. It's it's similar similar to uh, the draft. Okay, uh, Donald Jones. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My, my, you know, the draft is, you know, I mean, to me, it's about how well these guys are going to scout these players. But I think, um, yeah, I think that's a, a serious problem in the NFL. Um, the scout, I think a lot of the scouts they hire, they just hire guys that really don't. I don't know what they'd be thinking because. I see some of the players, like my guy, like, for example, the, the guy from – I mean, his name escapes me, but he's linebacker from Minnesota last year. I thought he was the best linebacker in the NFL, but he wound up not even – I mean, I thought he was the best – one of the top two or three linebackers in the draft last year, but he didn't even get drafted. And, and he didn't get drafted. And the reason he didn't get drafted because of his height. He wound up going to Minnesota and, and having over 100 tackles and had, had an awesome rookie season and got a great future. But, but I think it gets, you can't do, you gotta, you got to see with your eyes you see first. 
Yeah, you gotta you gotta add, you know, all the other intangibles in there. You know, the height, weight stuff. You gotta let that be part of the equation. But at the end of the day, what you see on film, and to me, you know, guys, you know, I mean, over this quarterback position, you know, like you're talking about Chicago. I mean, I would keep, I would, I would stick with Justin Fields personally, and then then trade, then trade that number one pick to get two or three first round picks, so they can have about four first round picks and build and build that team, you know, for the future, which I think would make them one of the. I think it would make them a contender for years and years to come because, you know, but, you know, but, you know, we'll see. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a very interesting to see what happens to what players, you know, that, you know, in these players, a lot of players are going to be rising to the top based on these workouts. But, but again, I think the team that uses their eyes see, and, and goes by what they see on film are the teams that are going to get the best players, in my opinion. Okay. Ricky Porter. You know, Doug, I was sitting here listening to what everybody said. I mean, I'm I'm kind of riding with everybody now. Um, you know, the things that Will said, you know, what Jay said and um, what Donald said just now. Um, I think Chicago needs more than a quarterback. And then, then again, you go get Caleb. And, okay, what if you have to sit on him for two or three years before he develops? My, what, I, what I'm thinking offhand is just hold on to Justin Fields, give him another year, trade down, try to see if you can get as many picks as you can for him. But you always run into the problem if no one wants to trade up to number one. They did probably what I would do is if I had to make that pick, I probably wouldn't go quarterback. I may go with Marvin Harrison, Jr., I'm going to go get him a weapon, a legitimate weapon, somebody like that that can come in there and play right away, give him a little more moxie, a little more, you know, feeling good about himself just to feel to come in there and now I got me a bona fide weapon to go with and, and roll like that. But now if you can trade out of that pick and get a bunch of picks for them, I think they need more picks than they need a quarterback. I, I think, you know, Justin is serviceable right now, and I think you give him another year. Uh, unless for some reason, like Donald said, you know, your eyes, you see what you see. If you just want to, you know, you just believe that uh, Caleb is the end-all, be-all, and, and he's, he's a can't-miss, which we all know that's been in those draft rooms, you really don't have a can't-miss. Um, that's, that's not, I don't think it's um, realistic. And then, you know, I think after that, then, you know, they kind of fall in line. Um, you know, probably if they do were to pick a quarterback, I, I mean, if they don't, I think Caleb drops to number two. If he doesn't, then, you know, Drake, uh, what's his name, Drake May might go with number two, you know. Um, and, and Daniels, to me, would fall to uh, the Patriots. So uh, it, it's it's a crapshoot, like we always say. I think you, you got to – have a feel for it, you got to stick with your guns and you just go for it and see what you're going to do. But right now, Chicago has an opportunity to get multiple picks if somebody really wants Caleb. And if they don't, I think you go get Justin some, some, um, some weapons so you don't have to sit there and wait to see if uh, Caleb is going to 
you know, be the quarterback you think, you know, you wait another two, three years for him to get there. So I think it's all in what you believe. So, you know, those rooms are going to be, as we all know, it's going to be crazy and telephone calls are going to be made. So, Okay. Uh, Tim. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of good stuff that I agree with that's been said. I uh, With that Chicago pick, I, I think it's too early to give up on Justin Fields. I think he is probably uh, next year advanced to what Caleb uh, Williams is going to be um, coming in. So I think you're just sort of spinning your wheels and starting over if you do that. And quite honestly, um, although I believe Caleb Williams is a talent, I'm not sure that he's going to be C.J. Stroud. Uh, when he comes into the league, um, and his his uh, attitude about wanting to be part owner of a team and saying that he's not going to play in certain places and all these kind of things would concern me if I was an owner. Um, but um, you know that's just me. But if they do decide to go in that direction, Chicago, I mean, um, send him to Pittsburgh and let the Steelers work with him because I hear that um, Tomlin is a big fan of uh of uh my man in chicago right now so i i think uh and I, we were talking about this last night um that we didn't you know see given past patterns that pittsburgh would would make a move like that for a quarterback but i, I heard today on espn adam Schefter was talking about how how tomlin really likes justin fields um so you know maybe there's maybe there's something to that uh in terms of uh my team the jets my favorite team uh, we need offensive linemen. Somebody mentioned um, uh, early on what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Um, Aaron Rodgers is a 40-year-old coming off of an Achilles, uh, uh, and I think uh, I think you need to get some insurance at quarterback as well. But you need an offensive line first. Uh, and so I'm hoping that they look at Alt from Notre Dame if he's available. Okay. Uh, Francis? Yeah, Doug, I, I like what everyone had to say, you know, um, and it seems to me a lot of times, I, I, I really was listening to Will, that you're faced with that, that draft point where you are you taking the best available or are you taking your need? And it seems like um, Chicago and the Panthers and maybe even the Falcons have failed at what they need, you know, versus what is available um, several times. And, and, and I, I think the product they put on the field is, is lacking, you know, and the drama will play out, and I'm looking forward to it on whether the the Chicago Bears keep Justin Fields, let him go, you know, invest in, in Caleb Williams, um, and, you know, and, and send Justin Fields off. And I, too, have heard, like Tim, is that, you know, Pittsburgh is definitely interested, um, but I agree with everyone last night that their, their business model or what they've done for, for years is, They've drafted the quarterback position and developed and, and, and kept them that way. And maybe they want to do that with Kenny Pickett. Um, but I'm interested to see that too. You know, as far as the Cowboys are concerned, um, I, I really wanted them to move up and get Bijan Robinson. I want them, want them to move up and get um, Marvin Harrison, you know, although I think, of course, uh, the young man um, with the Dallas Cowboys right now is, is no slouch for, for sure, CeeDee Lamb. But um, other than that, um, I, I, too, am interested to see what happens in New York just because of all of the drama over the past offseason, what happens with Aaron Rodgers, what moves do they make, 
um, to show that they're going forward with him or maybe they're going to pick a, a quarterback too. Yeah, and, and Chris is, you know, everybody that's on the line. We, last night we kind of uh, kind of bounced off uh, the idea that about Caleb Williams, you know, some say he had attitude. Some say, you know, he was picking what team he wanted to go to that he didn't want to go to. So my thing was Elway did the same thing and the Manners did the same thing. So, and everybody said, hey, you know, it's a difference. And we we know that the color of the skin. So, anybody else? Your thoughts on that, uh, Jay Hayes? You're saying about Caleb Williams being so outspoken compared to uh, the Mannings and uh, all that. Elway saying that saying that they're not going to certain teams. Um, we all we. We, on one, in one hand, you know, we're talking about advancement uh, for coaches and, um, and you know, young uh, coaches and, and things like that. And, you know, now, nowadays, um, a player, um, they know their worth. I mean, they, they, they're children of the NIL um, all that they they've been making money for a long time, where you know years ago um, that was not the case. Uh, you know these kids are businessmen, and uh, you know have a little more control of what they uh, have going on right now than than say maybe uh, another, you know, Rodney Peake coming out as a quarterback at SC who was a hell of a player and, you know, out of a great program at that time back in the 19, when was that, 1988, as I recall, coaching against, you know, Rodney Peake was also the son of a coach and uh, Coach, Coach Peake, you know, raised him, and, you know, he, Rodney knew the rules, right? Um, Nowadays, you know, kids aren't afraid to speak their mind. And uh, I I, I see um, Caleb Williams as a a young man that uh, has been taught, hey, you know, you're, you're good enough. And uh, you won a Heisman Trophy. Um, you you know you can you can say what's on your mind. You know can't it's it's not always uh, uh, like like my dad used to tell me. Don't tell them people everything you're thinking. Well, it, you know nowadays people do. So uh, he just he, he he's he's saying what he thinks, and and he doesn't care he doesn't care what what anyone else thinks about it so I think that's good in in that regard for him um, but you know I'm you know I'm I'm hoping that uh, it, it just kind of keeps going that way for for anybody that that is a good player and, and can can change the uh, playing field to the way you want to be similar to how the Mannings did 
how uh, John Elway did, uh, you know, uh, other others along the way. Okay. Uh, Will, you want to jump in on that? Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously it's not unprecedented because just like you said, you had the, uh, you know, if you feel like you have the leverage uh, and you want to create the ideal situation for you um, and you've got enough, you know, swagger and, and, and arrogance to, to make the play for it, then, then why not? Um, I mean, I think we were both uh, alive and rolling when Elway did it, when he didn't uh, want to go to, uh, what, Baltimore, and then Manning did it when he didn't want to go to San Diego. So uh, I think if you feel like you're that guy um, and you've got the, the leverage and you would kind of like to uh, control where you go or who takes you, um, then, then then have at it. I mean, certainly it can, it can backfire because we're in a different uh, era right now with social media and everything, and it can have you coming out looking like, you know, just some kind of spoiled – child and spoiled brat, which he, he came a very well may be, you know, just kind of looking at how things went uh, out at the, out at SC, they, he very well may be that, be that person. So he may be overplaying his hand. Um, and, and I guess time will tell. It could just be a, uh, a, a marketing ploy. You know I mean, that's the other thing. And basically uh, Dion said it when he came out back in the day, right? I'm going to ask for so much money. You're going to have to put it on layaway. That's a, that may be exactly what he's doing as well. So be ready to, if you take me, be ready to pay up because I'm trying to go for the gusto. So it may just be a good marketing plan. All right, Rick. Speaking on, what subject am I speaking on right now? <laughs> um, uh, think, will things that make you go, hmm? Um, <laughs> no, no, we talked. We talking about uh, we talking about Caleb Williams and his idea of oh, not wanting okay. to go to certain teams. To, to be honest with you, and all of us have kids about you know that age, around that that age, and you see it every day with our kids. It's just uh, I try to keep my my two young men as level as I can, and you know talk to them about how it used to be and. And they talk to me about how things have changed now or whatever, but some things never change. And so we talk about this kind of stuff, but um, I can't, you know, right now with everything that's going on, is it because it's a young black man doing this that that is being talked about, or is it just this generation that's saying, hey, I'm going to do what's best for me? I mean, you got kids coming out of college already millionaires with the with these deals that they're striking and stuff like that and i think all of us we we were born too soon we should have <laughs> we they should have held back and we should be coming along now but um you know it is what it is i think you just got to deal with it but like what will said it could be just a ploy to see what happens uh he's gonna play somewhere and somebody's gonna give him the money he wants so we'll see how you know will he stick to his guns or will he just um you know, play with this, but he, like you said, some people could drop out, you know, it just depends on what you want, or that may help Chicago to say, you know what, uh, I'm going to trade that pick so I don't have to deal with it. I don't know. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but I think we need to just be prepared with this, this, uh, this world we live in that things have changed from the time when we played. 
Okay, Donald Jones. Yeah, um, yeah, Caleb Williams. I mean, I mean, I, I would like to know what his teammates say. I mean, they can, whoever's whoever's gonna who, who's gonna try to move up to draft him or Chicago, whether whoever it is. I, you know, they're gonna have to do that due diligence to find out what kind of person he is. I don't have a problem with him, you know, saying certain things or whatever. But you know, because like like some, like everybody's saying, you know, there've been other guys that've done that, and you know, and you know, I mean, these guys, you know, those the quarterbacks, you know, you know, they're gonna have some, you know, they're gonna have an arrogant side to him. I don't have a problem with that. But how is he in the locker room? Is he a leader of men? Because if you're gonna go to, if you're gonna try to win a championship. You got to be a leader of men, because when you're in that heat of the competition, when you know, when you when you're in, you know, you got guys, you know, t- you know, coming at you, and you got the, your team, your team needs you to make a play. Are you gonna Are you gonna be able to be able to do that with consistency? And are you gonna have And you gonna be able to lead your teammates to follow behind you? That's what I want to know. What What kind of leader is he? There are times where you kind of question. Okay, man, is he? Is he a prima donna? You know, I mean, because I don't think, you know, arrogance and a prima donna, is, is, that's two different things. You need arrogance, but but when you're acting like a prima donna, man, that's going to divide a locker room, you know. So, so, but, you know, I don't know. I, 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 but like I said, I like, to, I like the first thing I would do when I was scouting, I would, I would go talk to his teammates, find out what kind of, what kind of person he is in the locker room, you know, you know, and, um, and is he the type of guy that you want to be the face of, the, of your franchise? That's the bottom line to me. Okay, Steve Thorne. Hey, did, did, now, you hit me on this one early. It wasn't specifically about Caleb, but I did address the draft and uh, getting with the right team. But all, all I'll say on Caleb is, I agree with what has been said about the Mannings and um, and Elway doing this. All I would ask is that you let me know before I, I think about drafting you. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> he has every right to make demands and and, and tell give people a short list. Just let, just give me the list before the draft, so I know how to work around it. All right, Princess, take us home with it, Princess. You're last. So what you got? <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thank you. I appreciate everyone on here for sure. Um, and um, have a great week. I want to thank Steve Thornton, Duck Riley, Will Lewis, um, Jay Hayes, Ricky Porter, Donald Jones, and Tim Moore had to get off just a little bit early. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Um, Duck, one last week, correct? This is the last week, Princess. We we get ready for the pre-draft. All right. All right. All right. Gentlemen, have a great week. Yeah, never had it so good sports radio. Bye.